right, thanks, Scott Shannon. Thanks to all of you for being with us. Toll-free on number is 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I'm getting uh, anecdotal evidence that apparently last night's Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the lowest in the history of Major League Baseball. We do have the numbers in for Game 3 of the NBA Finals, down 32% from 2019. We'll, We'll touch on these issues later in the program. The good news is AP is now reporting, and and even last night on MSDNC, they're they're beginning to get nervous. They are beginning to panic, and that's why they're running away from their own positions. We never said defund the police. No, 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 we we were not for defunding the police. Uh, Are you kidding me? (laughs) Because that's the entire Democratic Party. Um, oh, no, no, we're not for amnesty and open borders. Really? Oh, our own eyes are lying to us. And on a whole host of issues. Why do you think they're so desperately pushing for, you know, no, basically no integrity measures whatsoever for future elections? And we have some data that backs up uh, that their argument is, is flawed and wrong, complete, a complete lie that I'm going to get to. One MSDNC host fearing the red wave in 2022. I have a pollster saying, yeah, the chances are actually excellent, uh, which I agree with. And to add to the good news part, the AP is reporting the committee that is charged with helping Republicans get control of the House in 2022 raised $45.4 million over the last three months. That is a record quarterly haul during a year without a national election. The total was bolstered by 20.1 million raised in June alone, the highest ever monthly off-year total, according to the numbers shared with the AP before the public filing deadline. Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee announced that they had raised 14.4 million in June, uh, but you know almost 10 million dollars less. Than the Republicans, Democrats, remember, it's, we, we, they got a razor thin majority in the House, five seats. I've been talking about what a bellwether election this is now becoming in, for the Senate in 2022 with Florida and Georgia, North and South Carolina, and New Hampshire, and Wisconsin, and Ohio, and Nevada, and, and, and Arizona all in play. They're all winnable for Republicans. Republicans need to hold the line on election integrity. This is why this year matters with your state representatives, state senators, and and get get integrity measures. They're simple. There's no rational reason, with all the rhetoric that we've been hearing uh, from the Democrats, they don't want any integrity measures. The only conclusion... I can come to is why they don't want voter ID, signature verification, updated voter rolls, chain of custody controls so people can't manipulate and people can't tamper with uh, ballots that are mailed in. The only reason they don't want laws and statutory language that requires that partisan observers from all sides get to watch the vote count start to finish up close where they can actually see what's going on is they, they there's got to be nefarious intentions and there's somewhere you know go go back to Philly and yesterday and Joe Biden 
and the comparisons to Jim Crow and the worst since the, the, the biggest issue since the, 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 the Civil War, he keeps saying. And keep in mind, his state has the most restrictive voting laws in the country and never once has he lifted a, a pinky to make his state voting more accessible and less restrictive than the great state of Georgia. We've made those comparisons often. But this is a Jim Crow 2.0. Yeah, that low-rated all-star game last night out in Colorado. Uh, what we do know about it is, is, is very, very simple. It costs the, the state of Georgia, uh, estimates are $100 million. And you can directly thank Stacey Abrams and Raphael Warnock. And you can thank Joe Jim Crow 2.0 Biden. Yeah, the same guy that praised and partnered with the former Klansman and partnered with the guy that filibustered the Civil Rights Act of 64, Voting Rights Act of 65. The same Joe Biden that didn't want integration of public schools and school busing because he didn't want public schools in America to become, in Joe's words, Biden's words, uh, racial jungles. That Joe Biden. This is what he said. And then listen to what Kamala Harris has to say about rural voters. Oh, you don't have a Kinko's or an Office Max. Listen. 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. There's an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote and fair and free elections. An assault on democracy, an assault on liberty. I swore a note to you, to God, to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution. And that's an oath that forms a sacred trust to defend America against all threats, both foreign and domestic. The assault on free and fair elections is just such a threat, literally. I've said it before. We're facing the most significant test of our democracy since the Civil War. That's not hyperbole. Since the Civil War. Is agreeing to voter ID one of those compromises that you'd support? I don't think that we should underestimate what that could mean. Because in some people's mind, that means, well, you're going to have to um, Xerox or, or, or photocopy your ID to send it in to prove you are who you are. Well, there are a whole lot of people, especially people who live in rural communities, who don't. There's no Kinko's. There's no Office Max near them. People have to understand that when we're talking about voter ID laws, be clear about who you have in mind and what would be required of them to prove who they are. Of course, people have to prove who they are, but not in a way that makes it them almost impossible for them to prove who they are. So the, the, this is now now there, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Conservative liberal, you cannot make an argument that's going to make any sense to me that having voter ID, signature verification, chain of custody, integrity updated voter rolls and partisan observers all parties get to watch the vote count start to finish that that is in any way unfair every aspect you want to get on an airplane yeah you you need a photo id want to buy a six pack of beer you need a photo id you want to visit joe in the white house you'll need a photo id you want to visit your congressman congresswoman you'll need a photo id want to buy tito's or a bottle of wine you'll need a photo id even at my age, I need a photo ID. Want to eat in a restaurant, order a drink, you need a photo ID. 
want to go to the Democratic National Convention, you need a photo ID. You need a photo ID for everything. But not voting, which is what they want and why they're pushing so hard. And they're trying to say, well, let's have a one-time, no legislative filibuster vote on 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 what is also unconstitutional, usurping the power of the, the the stated constitutional authority of the states for the time, place, and manner of elections. This is this is very straightforward. Now we have some interesting data that I want to share with you. That I doubt anyone else is going to provide for you. Now that remember, the Democrats are claiming. That without having, without last year's COVID emergency, where we didn't have, even though the law required, they, they should have made accommodations for partisan observers to observe as the law calls for. They didn't do that. They shouldn't have had in Georgia, you know, two separate standards for voting, a lax standard voting by mail and a rigorous standard voting in person. They should have, they should have followed the state constitution in the state of Pennsylvania which has very limited circumstances where people can vote by mail. They just they just bypassed their own state constitution. That should have been taken up by the Supreme Court. It wasn't. And as the chief justice articulated in a, in a stinging dissent in that 4-3 decision in Wisconsin, the chief justice of the Supreme Court of Wisconsin, that, you know, they better follow the law. And until they do, this is going to happen again and again and again. So these are the measures. Now, the argument that they're making, Democrats are, is that without last year's COVID emergency voting rules, which include what? Unsolicited mail-in ballots and ballot drop boxes and lax signature checking and verification, relaxed regulations. Oh, it's going to be harder for many Americans, especially African-Americans and as Kamala is saying, rural Americans to vote. Now, if that were true... An African-American turnout must have been way down before we implemented the anything and everything goes and no laws need to be followed COVID rules of 2020. Because in two out of the three presidential races, I'm sorry, elections before COVID, African-American turnout, voter turnout was higher than in terms of percentage than white voter turnout without unsolicited mail-in ballots, without drop boxes, without extending voter deadlines, without any other relaxed COVID rules that Democrats now insist are necessary to be fair to minorities. So you go way back to 2013, the old voting rules all in place, the Associated Press noticing that African-American voter turnout had improved so significantly that it exceeded white turnout in the two previous presidential elections. This is from the Washington Post, April 29, 2013. The AP, Associated Press, is out with a study of the 2012 election. They concluded that African-American voter turnout, the African-American voter turnout rate exceeded the white turnout rate for the first time. It's almost certainly true that African-American turnout was higher in terms of the rate than white turnout last fall, but it was also true in 2008. When you look at the census data, the exit polling, the AP found that African-American voters were 13% of the electorate. They make up 12% of the population. And uh, white voters represent 72% of the electorate. And 
outperforming their 71.1% share of the population, but not the same degree they have in past elections. And if you exclude people who didn't respond to the census, the African-American turnout rate also surpassed uh, the white turnout rate from four years prior in 2008 from 76.6% to 73.6%. I mean, that's right there in the, in the Washington Post. That's the AP. And that, but that's not what they're telling you. Now, if you don't support these members, these, the first question is, why won't anybody in the mob in the media have the courage to ask this question? Hey, Joe. Joey, hello. Wake up. I'm over here. I'm on. Joe, hi. Joe, um, Mr. President, sir, may I ask you, um, the state of Georgia has no early voting in-person voting like Georgia does with 17 days. Uh, the state of Delaware, you need to provide an excuse to vote absentee. You don't need that in Georgia. There are no drop boxes in Delaware, but they're in every precinct in Georgia. Both states require voter ID. Why, for the 5,822 years that you have served the great people in the, in, as you called it, the slave state, my state's a slave state of Delaware, why didn't you... Why didn't you once stand up for more accessibility of the ballot box, considering your language that is now telling the American people that this is, you know, the, the, the most significant test since the Civil War and calling it Jim Crow? Well, what do we call your state? And why are you weaponizing your DOJ to go after Georgia when your state of Delaware has far more restrictive measures on voting? Why didn't you clean up your own state first, Joe? 800-941-SHAWN is our number. It's amazing how hard, the, the, just a simple voter identification that Democrats, they, they must feel the pressure that they can't win. That's the only thing that I can think of. Because uh, there's no rational reason why you wouldn't want voter integrity. Anyway, Democrats are under new pressure. Well, maybe we'll have a one-time only, no legislative filibuster rule for a day kind of thing. Um, and that's what they're trying to carve out any way they can. Um, and, ha you know, then you got the runaway legislators from Texas. As American as apple pie, <laughs> Kamala Harris says. I'm like, oh, Okay. In this talk, they might be arrested when they get back to uh, Texas for, I guess, dereliction of duty. I have no idea what it is, but it's, you know, I'm, just, I'm watching all of this. This is how bad things have gotten. Democrats now, this new Green Deal, and I'll get to the spending issues in a minute. Everything they've done on defund the police, everything they're doing on the border, everything they're doing to expose themselves as wanting no integrity in elections and invoking the race card and Jim Crow. And as more people discover, oh, Delaware has more restrictive laws than Georgia by a mile. People are beginning to wake up. Now we have, by the way, uh, Secretary of State Blinken, you know, issued a formal invitation to the U.N., historically pretty anti-American and anti-Israel, to investigate systemic racism in American policing. I mean, this party is run by the hardest core left-wingers we've ever seen. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SHAWN uh, is on number. You know, this book by Levin that came out, I, 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 I read it slowly 
and I'm reading parts of it again, and I especially love, you know, like the great lawyer, the great one is, um, he, he lays out the case. It's seven chapters. It may be the longest book that he's ever written. His final chapter, We Choose Liberty, is over 10,000 words, which is a lot for a chapter in a, in a book, but it offers the antidote, the solution. Um, some things that we've talked about, other things we've not talked about. I mean, it's it's an in-depth, you know, only in the way that Mark Levin, with his, his unique background as, you know, Ed Meese's chief of staff and, and constitutional lawyer could lay out. It's just it's a phenomenal book if you haven't gotten it, American Marxism. It's on uh, Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere, Amazon.com. It's been not number one on Amazon now for weeks. I mean, this probably is maybe his biggest book yet, and it couldn't be more timely than it is now. Um, and uh, we got to get back Mark back on the program to talk about it uh, in the near future. And um, now we have other issues to talk about, too. I mean, there's a lot happening here. You know, not it's not just integrity. Every single thing that Joe Biden is saying about Jim Crow 2.0 is a lie. The fact that the media, and I'll play this later in the program, that ignores his history on the issue of race is repulsive to me. And it shows and exposes the mob and the media's bias. Because if it was Donald Trump that for- partnered with the former Klansmen to stop integration of public schools and school busings and saying that he doesn't want public schools to be in Joe Biden's words, racial jungles. We know what would happen, you know, for the first time ever that an African-American, it is neat and clean and articulate storybook, man. And, um, you know, all the others, you can't go to a Seven Eleven Dunkin' donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent, all this crap. But partnering to stop the integration of schools, that's his background, that's his history, and the mob, the media, Democrats give this guy a pass. Just like the the Hunter Biden foreign business dealings lies that we now know. Now, if there's any justice in America anymore, and I'm, I'm very worried about the Attorney General now weaponizing the Department of Justice and not and ignoring the restrictive voting laws in Delaware, but going after the very accessible voting laws in Georgia. It already cost Georgia a hundred million dollars last night in in revenues that they would have projected. Although nobody watched apparently the baseball game, the all-star game. Nobody watched. Lowest numbers ever. That's all we know now. And we'll get the final numbers at some point. But I'm, but my point is he he literally just gets to just lie at such a high degree, and he doesn't get held accountable for his own record. Hunter Biden's foreign business dealings, we now have pictures of Joe. We have him saying, what, five times he's on the record, I've never talked to Hunter Biden about his foreign business dealings ever, never, not one time. But he's at lunch with them as vice president, and we have the pictures, and Hunter Biden we now know was paying Joe's personal cell phone bill and and other bills and the maintenance of his home and everything in between. Imagine if this was a Trump, what the reaction would be in the country. I mean, it's 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 so obnoxious. It's unbelievable. But they the media mob they don't think they're they don't think they're biased. You know, fake news uh, CNN whining that you know it's. Following Biden's speech, I guess CNN decided Biden didn't go far enough 
and they actually accused him. He, went, he was saying Jim Crow, the most significant event since the Civil War and all this rhetoric of his. And they accused Joe of bringing a butter knife to a fight against a nuclear bomb. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? Uh, it's so corrupt. So it's, it's just sad. And then you look at the economy and you see what's going on every single day. Joe's Joe's economy, inflation surging, consumer prices up 5.4%, the largest jump since 2008. Remember what happened in 2008? Yeah, exactly. How can it be the highest? Inflation surging, the price of energy up about on average a buck 25 a gallon. I mean, car prices, lumber prices, the price of everything you buy in the grocery store, everything you buy at Lowe's and Home Depot, everything you buy at your drugstore is costing you more than talking about this 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 minimum corporate tax, the 130 countries. Okay, corporations aren't going to pay taxes. They'll pay their employees less. They'll take away benefits, and they'll charge us more. We'll pay that tax too. And now we pay because of, of Joe leaving the, the independent, uh, the energy independence, the lifeblood of our economy behind, now we're dependent again. Why would he offer a pipeline to Putin while simultaneously canceling our own pipeline and all the high-paying career jobs that went along with it, except maybe, maybe, maybe Hunter's compromised. Maybe the Bidens are compromised. Why isn't he, fi- why isn't he saying anything to the communist Chinese that are threatening to blow up our military bases and take over Taiwan, they're calling it reunification. It's not. That would be the takeover of an independent state, our ally, threatening Japan and the military bases they have. Why isn't Joe saying a thing? Why is Joe lifting sanctions while the Iranians are back enriching uranium? Why is Joe you know, not speaking out against Russia and China providing arms to the Iranians to fight their proxy wars all over the world, especially in the Middle East, and as the number one state sponsor of terror. I mean, we, are we the only ones that are paying attention to this? Now, apparently, Democrats, when you look at the numbers, you know, Chucky Schumer announcing, oh, we have a $3.5 trillion uh, spending bonanza budget. Now, this is interesting when you pay very close attention. By the way, producer price inflation has soared to 7.3%. Remember, this, this, this is now all spiraling out of control. The producer price index is a leading indicator of things to come. Producer price index rose 7.3% in June from 12 months earlier. The largest demand since 12-month data was first introduced in 2010 compared with May. The index rose 1%. That's not a good sign. We're heading in the wrong direction there. Um, They're bringing in, I noticed, Lawrence Summers, top economic advisor to Obama. He's meeting with White House economic officials. They confirmed the discussion. He was the former Treasury Secretary under, under Clinton. And I guess one of the most prominent Democratic critics of Biden's economic agenda Maybe he can talk a little sense. Whatever it is, it's, I guarantee you it's not going to be enough. You know, I like, to do, I like to go grocery shopping. I know people make fun of me. But I go every week myself and I do my own grocery shopping. I like to do it. 
You know, I can tell you that if you get Oscar Mayer thick cut bacon, it's up about two bucks from where it was last year. And, and let me tell you something. That means some people aren't going to buy it because then they're also paying a buck 25 more per gallon. If you're buying a used car, that's up 30, almost 30 percent. It's 29.7 percent in one year. The price of a used car has gone up. New car prices are up nearly 4 percent. And, and that's that's all. If, if used cars are, are up that high, it means that the demand for a used car is that much greater and the reason for that would be because people can't afford new cars because of, you know, they're paying more for everything else in their life, which is ridiculous. We still have the hotel industry facing closures and and in a post-pandemic era, and they can't get enough people working for them. Raging inflation is sparking the bond bloodbath and, you know, the stock and slamming stocks as the dollar is spiking. And Biden's helping out the Iranians, the Chinese, and he's helping out the Russians. I, you, you just couldn't even write a worst case scenario. 1.8 million Americans have turned down jobs due to the increased unemployment benefits that are still going on. And by the, that matters because businesses have been wrestling with these labor supply shortages. And that increases price also, prices also for the rest of us. People capable of working but are opting out of the workforce. And one of the more politically controversial reasons has been the availability of the unemployment insurance benefits. 26 states have now opted out of this whole thing. The morning consult surveyed 5,000 adults. And of those collecting unemployment benefits, 29% said they turned down job offers during the pandemic. In response to the follow-up question, 45% of that group said they turned down jobs specifically because of the benefits. I would argue, and then if you extrapolate it out even further, 14.1 million adults collecting benefits, you know, then it's 1.8 million minimum that have turned down job offers because of the benefits. I would argue it's probably a lot harder. Now they come out with this infrastructure plan Pete Buttigieg is saying it's going to this will stop climate change. These people are out of their minds. They don't know what they're doing. They're so far out of their league on issues involving the economy. It's just downright scary when you when you look at what they're doing. And then you have Democratic infighting because then you have the squad. They're pissed off because they're not spending enough money. And Bernie Sanders is pissed off because they're not spending enough money. Well, we don't have any more money to spend. That, that becomes a problem for everybody. It's interesting that you, you watch uh, Mayorkas is out there saying that migrants fleeing Cuba and uh, and if they arrive by sea, they're not going to be allowed to enter the U.S. But he's not saying a word about people crossing the border and just being processed in illegally with the help of Joe Biden's uh, Department of Homeland Security. It's unbelievable. Democrats on this $3.5 trillion, what they're calling human infrastructure. Now, that adds to the $600 billion package of infrastructure measures that that they struck with Biden. Now, when they call it human infrastructure, well, what does that mean? What are, what's human infrastructure? When you think of infrastructure, you think of roads and tunnels and bridges, et cetera, et cetera. But now when you add the $600 billion, that's $4.1 trillion. And the infrastructure, human expanding Medicare, climate change, child care, 
et cetera, et cetera. And this is for, you know, child care after the administration already approved three hundred dollar handouts for couples with children. Now they're they're calling it all human infrastructure because it, 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 and you know what it is? It's called the new Green Deal. Socialism, because that's what it is. Just like they won't tell you the truth about global warming. You know, they're out there saying, you know, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez warning us that in 2030, the world is going to end if we don't address climate change. Well, if it's going to end in 2030 in today's July 14th, 2021, yeah, why bother? Let's just have a big party and the world's ending in nine years and we'll just celebrate till it ends. It just is ridiculous. But they keep making these false you know, claims, but all of this is to cater to the real hardcore left. $4.1 trillion. We can't afford on human infrastructure, which is what, you know, Medicare and, and, and dental and vision and, and every bit of hearing coverage and climate change and child care. That's not infrastructure. So stop lying about it. Well, that would be asking a lot to ask them to lie about and stop lying about things, right? I mean, what do you expect? You know, I'm watching this, and and this is amazing t- to me. There's chance breaking out in, in Miami, uh, down in Florida, and I really, you know, for the people in the Cuban American community, our thoughts and prayers are with with your family that is trying to end this murdering communist regime that has stolen land and killed untold thousands and tens of thousands of Cubans over the years. It is a murdering communist dictatorship, and don't let anybody tell you anything else. I suggested last night with Lindsey Graham, is there anything we can do? Reagan funded the freedom fighters in Nicaragua. The Miami mayor talked about possibly, you know, using military force. America doesn't have an appetite for foreign conflicts, but maybe we can help out those freedom fighters in Cuba that are looking to be free, that have been suffering under the, the oppression of the, of the Castro regimes. Mayorkas told foreign nationals they must not attempt to illegally enter the U.S. by sea. He didn't urge them to stop illegally crossing the U.S.-Mexico border. Jeez. <laughs> Why is that? That's interesting. Biden administration frees up cash for Iran as Iranians are, are trying to kidnap a u.s journalist this wasn't just the news state department waived sanctions on iran's oil trade allowing iran to access funds formerly frozen in south korea and japan i told you about this months ago seven billion dollars worth of money why don't we just add more cargo planes of cash and other currency anyway 800 we've got a lot on coronavirus we're going to get to today as well uh you know, now they're actually coming out with and, and actually they're saying what I what I told you they were saying. You know, you have Kathleen Sebelius actually saying unvaccinated Americans should not be allowed to work and get this should not have access to children. That's how sick this is getting. Forget about following the science. All right, Leonard Skinner, simple man. That means it can only mean one thing, and that is all things BillOReilly.com. Uh, by the way, his book, like 10 weeks in a row now, number one on the New York Times list, Killing the Mob. Uh, another huge, uh, big 
best-selling hit in his uh, Killing series. Mr. O'Reilly, sir, how are you? Glad you're back. Thank you. Um, I'm getting ready to tape the No Spin News on BillOReilly.com, um, but I'm in short pants because nobody can see that, Hannity. <laughs> um, let me I'm ask doing. you some specific things, Mr. O'Reilly, sir, because things that are happening. Now, you've been following the coronavirus, right? And, yep. and we all know, that everybody knows about masks. Everybody knows about social distancing. Everybody knows there are three vaccines. I think everybody even knows the distinction between Pfizer-Moderna, the mRNA vaccine, versus the more traditional method of, of formulating a vaccine, which is Johnson & Johnson. Um, we, we, we learned from the Cleveland Clinic, I think a pretty respected health organization, that if you had COVID-19, you probably don't need any vaccination. And I'm, I'm trying to follow the science. I do believe in science. I believe in vaccination science. But, I, but I'm not a doctor, and I don't tell people what to do. The only thing I'm urging people that listen to this show, take it seriously, do your research, talk to your doctor, doctors, people in the medical profession you trust, and based on your unique medical history and your condition, you, you've got to make your own mind up here. I can't do it for you, uh, but please be careful. Please be smart. Now, with that said, we were all told that if we got the vaccine bill, that life would return to normal. Now, over the weekend, we hear the administration is saying that if private companies, universities, if they want to mandate vaccinations, they're fine with it. Now we have Kathleen Sebelia saying unvaccinated Americans should not be allowed to work or have access to children on top of New York, California, other places mandating masks still. Your thoughts? That's clearly unconstitutional. Um, but in France... Now, you can't do anything without a so-called vaccine passport. Their constitution is not nearly as strong as ours. Um, We've done some research on this, and here's how I shake down with it. Number one, medical science doesn't know how long the COVID antibodies stay in a person after they have COVID. So that's the problem with denying a vaccine, saying, well, I had it, so I can't get it again. It's true, but you don't know how long you're going to be immune. Well, here's what we, we do know one thing. We do know, for example, antibody levels will decrease over time. Yeah. But there are yeah. other T-cell antibodies not detected, not measured, that would recognize if you contracted the virus or came into contact with the virus a second time, and that that would provide immunity to what level. I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to play one. Um, but it would provide immunity for those that would be, quote, reinfected. It, the problem is spreading it. And so some believe, and my doctors, because I've talked to them and they're really good, say, look, the more caution you can bring to this, the better. And that seems to make sense to me. So <clears throat> people who won't take the vaccine, it's their constitutional right not to do that. The government can't force you to take a vaccine, but it can deny you access to schools and private businesses. So if you don't have your measles inoculation, the child can't go to the public school in New York State where we live. It's a law. It's a public health law. So I tell everybody, look, your life is going to be much more difficult if you don't get vaxxed, and your risk level is going to be higher 
So now we see this kind of new mini surge in America, and America's way ahead of the rest of the world. We're coming out of this COVID thing, but the rest of the world isn't because they're not vaxxed. And I always say, believe your own eyes. If there are countries that still are locked down because there's no vax, but your country is not locked down because of the vax, the vax works. And that's where I am on it. But I don't want to impose anything. But I understand the public health ramifications of spreading COVID. I, I, everybody understands it, Bill. I mean, and, and that's why I'm urging people to be really smart. And being smart means being careful. And being smart means take it seriously. Being smart means research. If anyone has a phone, they can research. They'll, they have at their fingertips as much information as they can ever, ever absorb. Uh, talking to yeah. your doctor, your doctor is taking you know, your medical history, your medical condition into account. These are things I can't do as a as a radio and TV host. I mean, I'd, I'd love to play doctor, but no, if I did... No, you just have and, to be responsible, but... What's right, and I'm, by the way, and I'm trying to be responsible. I, I, you know yeah. what? I love my audience, Bill. I want them to live. That's right, and we want everybody to be healthy, including children. So if you've got to make a decision, get back, unless there's a reason why you should that's my philosophy. But it's been politicized, and then that answers another factor into the decision-making. The left and far left, they like the totalitarian nature of politicians telling people what they can do, what businesses can do. You see, it used to be that the far right was the totalitarian people, the Hitlers and the Mussolinis and, and it used to be that, but now it's totally the opposite. I would argue that the, the socialist left, but it I don't want to digress this conversation, digress in this conversation. Go ahead. No, but the conservative movement sees these far-left people like de Blasio in New York and Cuomo, and, and they see them demanding that you do this and that, Newsom in California, and, and they just get furious about it. And so that enters into their decision-making, where I, I say, don't get it. You can get furious about it, because it's obvious they're using a disease to try to increase their power. That's what they're doing. Look at that idiot de Blasio in New York. The CDC comes out and says, look, you don't need kids and, and vaccinated adults wearing masks in the classrooms. And he goes, yeah, you do. And this was the guy a few months ago. I ran a soundbite last night on BillOReilly.com. We said, no, no, we believe the science. Well, now he doesn't believe the science. It's all about power. And so conservative traditional Americans understand that. They understand the manipulation going on. But at the same time, you're correct. You've got to make a decision based on what's best for you and everybody else. And at this point in history, if you can get back, get back. Let me go to another issue, uh, and that is this power grab, the Politicians Protection Act, as some have labeled it, um, and this real push to demonize voting laws that I think are just common sense. You know, uh, voter ID is common oh. sense. Signature verification is simple common sense. Yeah. Chain of custody. Yeah. I, I, I have my five things. Chain of custody. Uh, controls to make sure nobody tampers with ballots. A partisan observer should watch the vote count start to finish from all political points of view. And, you know, updating voter rolls. Is there is there anything that sounds racist in there to you, Bill O'Reilly? 
that speech yesterday by Biden in Philadelphia was a disgrace. It was an absolute disgrace to accuse your own country of putting forward voting laws because you hate African Americans. That's what he did. That's what the president of the United States did. Nobody listened to him because the majority of Americans, including Democrats, know he doesn't know what he's saying. But he gets out there and he goes, ow, all of these laws are designed to stop black people from voting. That is like the biggest lie in the last 25 years. What, you, you object because some states don't want drive-by voting? What, are you going to get a milkshake, too? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's election day, okay? You've got two or three weeks. If you want to mail it in, mail it in with your credentials. And then you go on election day into the booth, pull a lever, and you vote. But this is their main issue, and we've got to go an inch below the surface here, because if these common sense measures that that instill integrity in the process, that guarantee confidence in the results, I would think, Bill, that this isn't Republican, Democrat, conservative, or liberal. I think it's just common sense, and now they're politicizing it. But here's the great irony. The most restrictive voting laws, Bill, are in the state of Delaware. Joe Biden has represented the state of Delaware 5,872 years, and he never lifted a finger one time to make voting more accessible in his home state. Why is his attorney general suing Georgia, which is, offers far more accessibility, and not the restrictive state of Delaware where Joe's from? This is all about race. Everything with the Democratic progressives is about race. Every single issue. All right? because they want to cleave off African-Americans and other minority groups into this voting block that automatically votes for Democrats. So whatever the issue is, whatever it is, it's racist. It's race. They're trying to put them down. I think most people see through the charade now, but to have a sitting president go out and make a speech with the whole world hears that, Certain states that Biden doesn't like, like Texas, all right, are passing laws so they can prevent black people from voting. Think about that. Think about that accusation and how nefarious word of the day it is. Now, Biden, he reads anything they put in front of him, because I'm researching this very heavily now for my next book. Anything that they put in front of him, Joe Biden reads. He doesn't think about it. He doesn't um, discuss unintended consequences of his actions and words. He just reads it. And the progressive left will make every single issue in this country a racial issue. And that's the truth. And that's what's happening. All right. Quick break. More with uh, Bill O'Reilly. All things O'Reilly. BillOReilly.com. We'll get to your calls on the other side. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. Quick break. Right back. We'll continue straight ahead. All right, more with uh, Bill O'Reilly, his uh, All Things O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com, All Things Simple Man. You ought to register that, SimpleMan.com. Anyway, Bill O'Reilly is with us. Let me ask you what America should do as it relates to Cuba. And what was pretty fascinating is that the Department of Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas told foreign nationals they should not attempt to illegally enter the United States by sea but he's yet to urge them not to stop illegally crossing the U.S.-Mexico border where they're just being right. processed and let in. 
Why? And what should we do with Cuba? This is a very complicated issue. I was in Cuba a few years ago. I think you know that. I took my... uh, Thanks thanks for bringing me back cigars, Bill. I could have used some. Thank you very much. Well, you know, um, I didn't want to violate any of the embargoes. (laughs) I'm teasing. Go ahead. So I went over there with my 12-year-old son to show him the deprivation and the horror of a true totalitarian regime. And he saw it, and he got it. And, And we were there, and we saw how those people in Cuba are controlled, how fearful they are of their government. And their government now is taking reprisals against the protesters, and those people will suffer. Now, there is absolutely nothing that the American government can do about it, short of, you know, sending U.S. forces in. And we tried that in the Bay of Pigs, and that was a disaster. As far as the people fleeing Cuba in boats, that's flat-out dangerous. And I wouldn't, if I were president of the United States, be encouraging that because you could die very easily in that 90-mile jaunt. Did, did, so here's my question. Did you support to... Ronald Reagan's support of the freedom fighters in Nicaragua? Because they are, we, as America, we armed them so they could fight their own battle. You've heard yeah, the mayor of Miami, were, for example, well, talking about, you know, armed conflict with Cuba. Would it would it would there should America even think about arming the freedom movement in Cuba? I wouldn't do that. It's just too too much of a mess. The Contra thing turned against Reagan because those people selling narcotics, the Contras, and I was down there. I thought. So I wouldn't do that. What I would do if I were Joe Biden would be make instead of telling the American people that the voting laws are racist and wasting time on a fallacy. I'd get down to Miami and make a damn good uh, plea for freedom for the Cuban people and tell the world no more ships in, no more planes in until these people get freedom. If the whole world embargoed Cuba, they'd have the, the government would collapse. Yeah, but but they, they're they're propped up by, you know, the the, the Russia. They're propped up by other radical yeah, regimes around the world. And, and even China now apparently... I'm reading reports that the technology that's shutting down the Internet for the people's movement of freedom in Cuba uh, is Chinese technology that's shutting it down. Um, but I guess we learn where Bill O'Reilly goes on vacation. He goes to Cuba and Nicaragua, which means don't ever ask me to go on vacation with you. Thank you very much. No. Um, well, that's I, I can... why I'm so astute, Hannity. Oh, good Because grief. I'm a man of the world. Oh, my. I know. Simple man goes vacations in Cuba. Goodbye. All, <laughs> All right, things ho- for having me. All things Bill O'Reilly at BillOReilly.com, including his new book, uh, Killing the Mob, 800-941-SEAN is our number. You want to be a part of the program. We'll continue. Got the show 24-7. Download it to your iPod. Be a Hannity Insider at Hannity.com. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. We'll get to your calls in just a second here. I just want to put emphasis on, you know, the most restrictive laws in America happen to be in the state of Delaware, Joe Biden's home state. Now he's weaponized the Department of Justice uh, to go after states like Georgia. 
And now they're doing, Democrats are doing everything possible. Just a one time, we'll eliminate the legislative filibuster. Just one time to get our election reform through, which I would argue is unconstitutional because it strips power away, stated power from the states in terms of time, place, manner of elections in their individual states. Nobody in the media has the courage to even point out Delaware's restrictive voting laws. And this also, and then Joe is out there playing the race card as he did yesterday. And we've, we've gone over this in, in great specificity and detail and the biggest crisis since the, the civil war and Jim Crow again, he brings up Jim Crow yesterday, 2.0. Here we go again. And I'm thinking this is the same Joe Biden that said all of the, that partnered with the former Klansman that filibustered this historic Civil Rights Act, Voting Rights Act of 64, 65 to stop the integration of our schools and busing. Didn't want public schools to become Joe Biden's words, racial jungles. And now he plays the race card and nobody in the media says a word. Nobody says a word about Delaware's restrictive voting. Hey, uh, Joe. You represented Delaware for decades. Why did you never lift a single finger to make the laws less draconian in Delaware, the voting laws more accessible for people? You know, the the state that you brag is a slave state. That state. Anyway, here's Joe from yesterday, which was a disgrace. 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. It's unrelenting. There's an unfolding assault taking place in America today, an attempt to suppress and subvert the right to vote and fair and free elections. It's no longer just about who gets to vote or making it easier for eligible voters to vote. It's about who gets to count the vote, who gets to count whether or not your vote counted at all. What does that mean, who gets to count the vote? It's not a matter who, matter who counts the vote. It's a little scary thought. The idea he keeps playing the race card in this is so grossly offensive. In Delaware, the largest growth in population is Indian Americans moving from India. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. I'm not joking. You don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. You got the first sort of mainstream African American who was articulate and bright and clean and nice-looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a story. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. Paul in Connecticut on the Sean Hannity Show. Paul, glad you called, sir. Hi, Sean. I'm a lifelong Democrat who has uh, just is I'm flabbergasted by what I've seen in the last five years. Um, but specifically yesterday's uh, or yesterday you had some information that you shared about what Kamala Harris was t- uh, talking about with the uh, oh with with, 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 of, with rural voters that don't have a kinkos right. And then there was also though she she'd made the point about how we needed to uh, keep in mind the people affected by 
laws like a voter ID requirement. Well, what solutions has she offered? I have well, there, there, there is a solution that they're offered, and that's HR1, which is you don't need any voter ID, mail-in balloting, ballot harvesting, um, felons voting, no registration needed to vote, all of which, you know, takes away any and all integrity in the voting process. And right. so my, the only thing I conclude is they have nefarious intentions, to say the least. Let me ask you a question. You said something interesting to me. Why, over the last five years, as a lifelong Democrat, why have you changed? Well, I think what's happened is uh, it's not so much me that's changed. It's what's changed around the Democrat Party and who's in in charge of it, at least who's come to the fore of, of running it. I can't believe what we watched with a phony Russia investigation, with phony allegations with, uh, about President Trump. And listen, I'm not defending him. I'm not his guy. I'm not cheerleading for him. But right is right and wrong is wrong. There is no way we should have had to live through what we've just lived through and then, in turn, get put on, get put upon us this current president who is not capable of even forming his own sentences most times and he's been that way for a long time in my opinion i don't getting worse the pressures of the job are getting to him um anyway really interesting call paul thank you we appreciate you being with us uh mike is in michigan mike glad you called thanks for being with us Oh, thank you for taking my call, Mr. Hannity. Um, thank you. I, I was ca- calling in our response uh, about some of the uh, <clears throat> stories you've been telling about the sports auditoriums and stadiums you've been in where they're uniting uh, and stories like that and how they, you know, like your home team, you can, you know, all the people, regardless a, a sh- of whatever. A shared passion, a, a, right. a natural uni- unifying moment, high-fiving strangers, because you, you all love your uh, home they're, team. They're, yeah, yeah high-fiving strangers. Uh, there, there's not a better example of that than the New York City Marathon, Mr. Hannity, that when two million New Yorkers come out and they cheer for runners that they don't even know. And and they do it with vigor and, you know, emphatic. That's a great point. And between 2000 and 2010, I was there seven times for it, and uh, I, I, I have no idea. I do not understand how people can run 26-plus miles. Well, I, well, by the way, uh, it is not on my bucket list of things to do, and I, and I train an hour and a half a day. I work out hard. And you're you're maybe closer than you think, sir. <laughs> no, well, no, but, but I do a different kind uh, of training. I mean, but, you know, I, I do a lot of core building, a lot of martial arts punching hitting boxing sticks blades firearms i mean it's a heavy it's a hard workout and do i get winded of course i do um but you know we'll have days where i'll i'll box two rounds bare fisted on the heavy bag and and get a minute break then i got to do another two minutes then i get a break for a minute then i got to do another two minutes it's trust me it's harder than you think circuit training you know for a distance runner but uh but the what i was uh, what i wanted to do was uh uh is uh it was your show is sort of a way for me to say thank you to all the people in those years that came out and cheered for mike e from northern michigan because uh it's really uh it was it's really a beautiful thing what they do and uh 
if you I think it, I, I listen right? I admire everybody even the last person you know they always covered like the last person across the finish line uh however many hours later than this thing started and I I admire people for doing it for a lot of people it's it becomes a a personal goal that you know, seems unachievable in, in the beginning and, and they just work at it and chip away at it and they run their practice marathons and their half marathons and their 5Ks and I just I, I just get bored to tears running. I, I can't do it. I mean, I just like, you know, I've tried working out on on a bike. I've tried working out on a treadmill. I, I just hate it. I'm bored to tears. I don't know how you, what are you thinking about when you do it? Well, the, the, I don't do treadmill. I I go somewhere, you know, when right. I do train. But put put your name on your shirt and run through New York City, and you'll hear your name more that day than you will for the rest of the year. Uh, and, uh, wait a minute. I, I hear my name enough on TV every night. I don't really need to hear it anymore. I read it enough every day. I'm good. I'm, I have enough to last a hundred lifetimes. But um, I'm not sure in New York, me running the marathon would would. There might be other words associated with my name if people saw it. Let's put it that way. Uh, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> oh, I do. I, I can absolutely assure you that would be the case. All right, my friend, keep up the good work. All right, quick break. Right back uh, to the phones we go. 800-941-SEAN, our number, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour at the top of the hour, and much more straight ahead. All right, as we continue... Linda, I would imagine that it's the words that you use every other word that might. I have get no idea attention. what you're talking about. This sounds like fake news. I'm not sure what this is. Okay, if I was running I in the New York words. Marathon and I had a Hannity shirt on, you don't think people would boo me? Um, I think when you're running in the New York Marathon, you're just trying to breathe, probably catch your breath. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you true. have any breath left to, uh, you know, yell at anybody. As far as I'm concerned. Oh, I got a great but, call um, about you yesterday from a buddy of mine, and he goes. Uh, I was listening the other day, and Linda was on, um, and and this is the person that used to live in New York, okay. and says, man, does she have a thick New York accent. I said, yeah, I make fun of it all the time. Only well, on certain words. On the other words, I got a horrible Philly accent. No, you have so, a thick you know. New York accent, especially when you, you don't take your happy pills and you're pissed off at me for whatever reason of the day. I, you listen, three hours a day me. is all we ask of my bad attitude. And then I take my happy pills and we're good to go. Okay, but the thing is, and I've said, I mean, I've walked through. All right, say talk radio. I'm not saying it. No, say it. I'm not saying it. Oh, no, come on. Just not do saying it. The, it. Do it for the audience. The audience already knows. The audience they know me all knows. too well. Right, say, say coffee. Why don't we let Katie talk? We haven't had Katie talk in a while. No, no. Well, that's true. We should get back to Katie. But oh, Katie! Wait, wait, wait. Katie say, actually say, now has a Texas New York accent. It's her accent's far worse than a, mine. Katie hates being on the air right now. Her palms are sweaty. She's like having a mini panic attack. Katie, are you getting better at uh, at the this anxiety issue of being on the air? I told you I am. I'm cured. You'll <laughs> never have to have me on the air ever again. Uh, I've, she, I've, by I've the way, Katie's it. only saying this because I said I was going to put her on every day f- until she got over a fear. And she's like, I'm over it. I'm, it's all done. It's gone. Um, I was so glad you forgot for like the last two weeks. I was like, I didn't God, really yes. forget because I kind of felt like that was such a good answer. Of you saying, no, I'm, I'm really over it. I'm it like, really was a very good answer. I got to give you props on that. It was yeah, good. you got props on I that. I told her to talk about topics that make you uncomfortable, and then you would Ask stop talking. Ask Linda to say talk radio and coffee and New York and 
talk radio. You know, our audience is comprised of all of the states. And we even have international reach now. Oh, of course. So, you know, I am working towards Towards a more American American. accent. I'm doing my best. All right, so say talk radio. I'm taking lessons. Say talk radio. If I say talk radio, will you stop asking me to say talk radio? Yes, I'll stop asking you from saying talk radio. I work on the Sean Hannity show on talk radio. You're welcome. Do you know we're going to celebrate 20 years this year? What about that? Say coffee. You're not going to answer my question. What's your question? We're going to celebrate 20 years this year. I know. It's unbelievable. You came on the year September 10th, 2001. It's kind of crazy. 33 years I've been in this business. Can you believe that? No, I can't. It's insane. 20, I'm, I'm now my 25th year at Fox. I was told if I can survive. Now, I may not survive. You know, who knows, right? You never, Every day is a gift. I don't take this microphone or the camera I get at night for granted. And the audience you know, gives us this opportunity. And I was told that if at some point next year, if I'm still on Fox News in prime time, and I have a contract that runs through for many years now, and that I will be the longest serving prime time host in cable news history. And I'm like, man, that makes me sound old. It's weird, right? In order to be accomplished... You got to be old, but you're lucky. You're a man, so you're distinguished. So, do you Good think you. Brian Stelter will have a whole segment dedicated to your 25 years? Yeah, uh, the worst of Hannity for 25 years. That's what it'll be. This is the first the time that uh, Sean Hannity ever called me Humpty Dumpty. This is the second time he ever called me Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> no, he wouldn't because <laughs> we should do that. Everybody is so everybody in in TV and radio. They're so thin-skinned. They can't take a hit. If I lived like them, I couldn't survive. I mean, it is the truth. I mean, you guys read more about me than I read about me. And you, you'll ask me occasionally if I saw this about me. I'm like, no, I didn't see that. Did you see this? No, I didn't see that either. No. Did you the good see thing this? is we have awesome companies like LifeLock that do keep the important things protected. So no, at least not true. all that's making its way out. No, that that is all true. And I do need to say thank you to this audience because they've made this possible. And we have a lot of work to do. This is my life's mission, my calling, my passion, and really all that I want to do. I'm more grateful than ever that you tune in every day and every night. I I can't do it without you. And we together, I believe, is all spokes in a wheel that we we can make this country great again. I believe that with all my heart. And it's a passion of mine. And I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care what anyone disagrees with me says about me. I'm way over that. All right, News Roundup, Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN, our number. We'll get to your calls at the bottom of this uh, half hour. And now we're beginning to understand a lot more about what's going on in our public school system, more than ever before, on a lot of different fronts. Um, It is amazing that per capita, the United States of America spends more per student on education annually than any other country in the industrialized world. And then when compared, our results, you know, we usually end up coming in anywhere between 37th and 40th in terms of the proficiency of our children in, in reading and, and math. We're not even teaching our kids the fundamentals anymore. New York City is a great case in point. They spend on average $27,000 per student. I was talking about a, a recent test 
uh, that kids in New York took, and and only 6% were proficient in, in math and reading. We've discussed at length this the Baltimore high school school system, they're actually the second highest per capita spending state in or city in the, in the entire country. And they have 13 public high schools, not a single kid proficient in math and, uh, and, and reading, not one. How do you have 13 high schools and you fail that bad? I've talked at length about this unholy alliance with teachers unions and and the stranglehold they have on the Democratic Party that is reliant upon them to get the vote out and and to take uh, dues from rank and file teachers and and use that money to only elect Democratic candidates to the point where the benefits are are so amazing they actually even during the Biden administration they were getting the opportunity to write what is you know the curriculum or or what the rules would be in a in the middle of a pandemic for the centers for disease control it's a lot of power nobody's fired nobody's held accountable for this massive failure i mean we're, we're literally ripping the rungs uh, out of a ladder for every child education is the key to every child's success the latin derivative of education is to bring forth from within and and yet these we're, we're failing our 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 children especially in in blue states and blue cities. It is a spectacular, frankly, fail that is unforgivable to me. And it's getting worse. Now, instead of going back to the basics, the fundamentals, right? If you're a pitcher and your game is off, you go back to the fundamentals. You you, you you start your wind-up and you go back to the things that got you there in the first place. We're not doing that in our public schools. No, we're, we're, we're teaching wokeism, cancel culture, and now the battle of, of parents around the country is battling back against critical race theory. One such parent is Deborah Flora. She has a nonprofit, and that's Parents United uh, America. They're mobilizing parents not only against CRT, but all matters of efforts by school boards to shut parents down and shut them out of the education process. Look what they were teaching kids in first grade in this, you know, very expensive private school in New York City. You know, six-year-olds are teaching, you know, talking about masturbation. And and other sex ed that is so over the top and inappropriate, contradicting the values of parents. And parents are torn if they speak up and the kids get thrown out of the the private elite school that they're paying 50, 60 grand a year for. And then they're stuck in the failing New York city public school system. So they shut up. Greg Jarrett is well briefed on this. He had an incredible uh, podcast recently on this. And that is the insanity of, of CRT. Uh, Just recently, Deborah Flora uh, rebuked the Colorado school board for using critical race theory. They both join us now. Uh, and thank you, Deborah Flora, and thank you, Greg Jarrett. Thank you so much for having me on. I greatly appreciate it. You went before the school board. You claim parents have been left out of the process to design the district's uh, educational program on every level. How how was the reaction? 
Well, it's actually very sanguine. I started Parents United America two years ago. It was because they shoved through comprehensive sex ed, which is explicit. And some parents were awake, but they not enough yet. Then you had the gender fluidity in preschool. Then you had the COVID shutdown where parents began to finally see what was actually going on. And now this is really the tipping point. Parents are tired of being told, um, as they did in our school district, that we are dissenters, basically, to be ignored. The teachers' unions refer to us as barriers. And parents are standing up finally and saying, we're the primary stakeholders. We will not be ignored. And it's time we get back to the school board, the educators, the elite, understanding that students do better statistically when parents are actively involved and engaged. Studies left and right show that. And so they're, they're rising up. I'm very excited about what's happening now. And the, the most vocal of the parents that are reaching out to parentsunitedamerica.org, our organization, are really the black parents because they see the inherent racism in critical race theory that's telling their own children that they somehow can't succeed unless there is an equity policy, which is not the same as equality. They have to dumb things down, raise things up. And I even know a science teacher, by the way, who was told that she had to dumb down her education so that black students could maybe perhaps learn physics. It's outrageous. It's racism, and parents know it. I know, Greg, in your, your recent podcast, we had a mutual friend and colleague, DeRoy Murdoch, uh, who's been a strong critic of, of critical race theory, uh, saying that it defines America as inherently and irredeemably bigoted, denouncing all whites as racial oppressors and diminishes all african-americans as racially oppressed victims um you know i i don't know how we got to the point where martin luther king's dream of you know of being a nation that is colorblind a colorblind society and you know where, where did that go well proponents of critical race theory would cancel Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you know, the greatest civil rights leader of, of our time. And, and DeRoy is absolutely correct. Critical race theory creates this color scheme of life. Everybody has to be judged solely on the level of melanin pigment in their epidermis. Uh, it's insane. It's stupid. Nobody with half a brain would accept this. It's garbage. But if you dare to disagree or challenge it. You, you are ipso facto a racist, a white supremacist. DeRoy, I can promise you, is neither. Uh, so what we have is children being taught this critical race theory that seeks to silence and, and suppress diversity of character, individual merit. Forget about it. All matters are to be seen through the lens of race and racism, and if you resist, you, you'll be demonized and canceled. But I must say, as I pointed out on the podcast, the good news is people like Deborah Flora are stepping forward and speaking up. They're fighting back, fed up by being told they're either racist or oppressed victims. Twenty-five states now have crafted legislation prohibiting the teaching of critical race theory. Eight states have already banned or limited critical race theory in classrooms. So the momentum has shifted. There is this groundswell of anger uh, that's directed at, you know, the radical progressives who've commandeered the educational system. And thank goodness for people like Deborah Flora. 
You know, I, I look at what's happening, Deborah, and to me, there there are some very basic, fundamental things. If we had school choice, I think mm-hmm. the schools that would get the most dollars from parents, if they they would be the schools that stick to the fundamentals: reading, writing, math, science. And if if parents can't agree on on how to teach kids human sexuality or any of these other issues, I. I would argue that if they really are, if it's that important to the schools, well, we'll let parents opt into these these classes after school and keep the school mm-hmm. doors open an extra hour if, if it's that important to them. But in the meantime, let's get our kids doing the fundamentals. Computers, for example. every You know, we're missing the basics every day as we now move into, the, you know, social justice issues. Absolutely. No, you've hit the nail right on the head. The reality is the more woke the classrooms have been, the more students are being damaged. You shared some of these statistics at the beginning. You know, America used to have the number one educational system amongst industrialized nations. According to the Program for International Student Assessment, PISA, right now, as of 2018, America's fallen to 28th out of 36 industrialized countries in math, 18th in science, not even in the top 10 in reading. In our own district, which is a, which is a fairly prosperous district, right now the school board told us that we should be happy that just over half of the students are proficient in reading and less than half are proficient in math. If you want to help children of every walk of life prosper, especially the most vulnerable, those who are in the inner cities, the underprivileged, the, the poor students, especially with, you know, those families that can't move to other areas, single moms, for instance, school choice is the answer, and education has always been the key to unlocking the potential of students. Instead, our hard-earned tax dollars are going for programs that are teaching social engineering, indoctrination, teaching one group of students that they are oppressed because of their skin colors, victims that can never achieve. They talk about the myth of meritocracy in critical race theory, basically telling students, don't even try, you're, it's rigged against you, you're just incapable of advancing yourself, and then teaches beautiful children of a lighter melanin skin color that they are inherently evil and should be ashamed. This is not the job of the schools, and they're failing at their real job. When you look at school budgets, for instance, our school district, the budget is over $700 million. Barely over half is spent on education. Time for transparency, time for school choice. It will benefit students across this country. And and honestly, it's time to return to the golden triangle where parents and teachers partner together for the good of the students without the infiltration of the unions and the special interest groups that they answer to. All right, quick break. We'll come back more on what's happening in your school system around the country. Greg Jarrett and Deborah Flora, 800-941-SHAWN. We'll get to your calls, final half hour of the program today, uh, and uh, we'll continue. As we continue with Greg Jarrett and Deborah Flora, as we discuss the teaching of critical race theory and the failure of many public school systems all around the country. If you look at the issues of law and order, Greg Jarrett, and safety and security for every American so every American can pursue happiness, you, you add to that school choice and fixing our broken educational system, I believe that would be the bridge between the minorities in America and the Republican Party. Donald Trump was well on his way to building that bridge pre-COVID. We saw it with record low unemployment numbers. 
We saw it with criminal justice reform. We saw it with a commitment to historically black colleges. Uh, and I, I do believe these issues are critical for every American, and Democrats have failed, uh, especially minorities in this country, and the numbers don't lie. Yes, you're absolutely right. And, and you know, Joe Biden's all on board. Democrats are on board. Uh, you know, the the progressive wing of the party. What about they're on left. board the, the road to mediocrity and yes. institutionalized failure? When, when Americans are being taught to hate themselves, to hate their country, this is all part of the new woke mentality. Uh, you know, and you've got a capitulator. You'll be silenced or threatened or punished or canceled or exiled. Uh, you know, the very institutions, Sean, that are supposed to promote diversity of thought, uh, those institutions are being exploited to eradicate dissent, any form of free thinking. Uh, imagine students in an American classroom being taught, quote, all white people play a part in perpetuating systemic racism. That's what kids in Buffalo were told. They were also told that our education system perpetuates spirit murder against African-American kids. Now, as a parent, your child comes home and repeats that, and you say, wait a minute, that's untrue, it's racist, and you'd be right. I mean, any sentence that begins with all white people is by definition wrong. And, and the words spirit, murder, in a classroom, I mean, that kind of language has no place where, as you point out, Sean, reading, writing, arithmetic are supposed to be taught. So, you know, this, is, this critical race theory is being jammed down the throats of children everywhere. And, you know, it's not just schools, but it's permeated government operations, corporate structures, the military, and the national mainstream media who are the biggest cheerleaders of all. It's unbelievable. You know what? And the thing is, is we can fix our educational system. There, it, we know how to do good policing. These are problems that are easily solved if you're committed to solving them rather than appeasing a, 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 a union that will provide you the funds to stay in power in perpetuity. Uh, anyway, Greg Jarrett, Deborah Flora, thank you both for being with us. We appreciate your time and, and the hard work you're out there doing every day. Thank you. Thank you, Sean. 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. This does not surprise me. Now, except for with the exception of Linda, everybody on this team, Sweet Baby James and Ethan and J.C. Owen uh, and Katie, we're all sports fans. We're big sports fans. Stanginator, we're all sports fans. I'm not as interested in professional sports anymore. I have no interest at all in watching the NBA finals uh, in large part because of politics being, you know, front and center and, and pretty much every professional sport. And that's why it was it was so refreshing to watch the Islander fans taking over the singing of the national anthem loudly, proudly, and unapologetically, and Tampa Bay Lightning fans doing the same thing, proud of them. Um, you saw heard the chanting last weekend in Vegas as in the, at the Conor McGregor fight. Didn't go well for him, but anyway, when when Donald Trump entered the building. And even though ESPN apparently didn't even show it, according to Jason Whitlock, I, I couldn't believe it. Anyway, now you look at the ratings for Game 3 NBA Finals. It's down a whopping 32%. I mean, this is an unmitigated disaster. 
for professional sports. Because what's going to happen is the ad rates that the networks that get the the broadcast rights that they've been paying and NFL ratings have been way down. The same thing with Major League Baseball. The same thing with uh, did you did anyone see the numbers yet for last night's All Star game? I didn't even want to mention it after they took the All Star game out of Atlanta based on a lie of Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock, and Jim Crow 2.0 Biden. You know, cost the state of Georgia estimates have it at about a hundred million dollars in revenue. A hundred million dollars for businesses in Georgia, and on top of it. Pretty much everybody in Georgia is being labeled a racist. And it's Joe's state of Delaware that has the far more restrictive voting laws, and he never lifted a finger to change any law in his own home state. The idea that he's weaponized the Department of Justice now to go after the state of Georgia and going after other states that are putting into place simple, common-sense voter integrity measures. Oh, voter ID, that's that's so onerous and burdensome. Well, Joe Biden's state has it. Joe Biden's state doesn't have 17 days of early in-person voting like Georgia does. Joe Biden's state doesn't have a single drop box. Joe Biden's state, they, they demand a reason if you want an absentee or, a, or a, a vote by mail. Georgia doesn't require that. And now the D- Department of Justice, the Attorney General of the United States, isn't going after Joe's state. They're going after the state of Georgia. When you say Jim Crow 2.0, you're implying racism here. And and Joe repeats the lie yesterday. And others have also repeated the lie. Um. Anyway, oh, as a matter of fact, Ethan just sent me this. Look at this. Major League Baseball All-Star Game, the lowest ratings in history last night. In 1980, more than 36 million people tuned in to watch the 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 All-Star game, the MLB All-Star game. 2021, yeah, Nielsen numbers are, are horrific. The least watched All-Star game in history, which is 11, you know, what? Well, no, 2015, they had still had 11 million people. How many did they have last night? Eight Less million than 10 million right now. Yeah. Anyway, in other words, all of this alone, and I'll tell you why. People don't want politics and sports. People love, you know why we love sports? Because it kind of takes us away from the stress of everyday life. We Everybody lives stressful lives. I don't care what you do for a living. We all feel the pressure of having to pay the rent or pay the mortgage and the car payment and raising our kids and getting them uh, into good schools and getting them a good education and getting them into a good college. And, you know, then you got to do the chores and then you got to do the shopping and then something a pipe bursts here or there and you got to handle that problem and this problem. And you got to go out and cut the lawn. You got to go out and, you know, if you have a swimming pool, maybe clean your swimming pool, whatever you got to do. And it's, you know, we're constantly working hard. You got to go get your kid's soccer game, baseball game, lacrosse game, football game, and whatever it happens to be. Everybody's busy. And you take the most unifying thing, the greatest distraction, and and everybody's passionate about their team. They wouldn't be spending all the money they spend to go to these games. It's you know what it costs to take a family of four to a baseball game? It costs a fortune. You buy the tickets, you pay the parking, especially in New York at Yankee Stadium, forget it, you pay a fortune. 
Then you buy, let's see, you get a couple of hot dogs, you get some Cracker Jacks, popcorn, maybe cotton candy, then the kids are going to want a baseball hat or a jersey or a shirt or something. You know, you, you, you're spending hundreds of dollars before you walk out of the place. And that's the average family. And it's not something a lot of families can do often. Maybe it's a, you know, once, twice, three times a year thing. You know, depending on how passionate you are about the sport. Now, then you're, you're, you're in the stadium, you're in the arena, and you're watching. You have, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, you're there for the home team. Everybody has that shared passion. It's naturally unifying. And now you add politics, and it's pissing people off. It's unbelievable. So stupid. It's, you know, on top of everything, it's bad business. You know who's going to get hurt in the end? Athletes aren't going to get the big salaries that they've grown accustomed to. Because the money's not going to be there. They're chasing people away. I'm more interested in college football. I grew up, in, it's very, very different. And I know it's a religion in the South, football, college football. And where I grew up, it's, it's a, it has a lot more to do with professional sports, professional hockey, professional basketball, professional baseball, professional, you know, you name the sport, we got it. And but it's very different. And I find myself now drawn to college sports. And I've seen a little I haven't seen a lot of the politics infusing itself into, you know, into sports and colleges. Now, if they if they go down that road, my guess is the result is going to be the same and it's not going to be good for student athletes. They get scholarships out of this. Now, with a Supreme Court decision, they might even be making money out of this. All right, let's get to our phones here. Uh, let's say hi to Abe. Abe is in Houston, Texas. What's up, Abe? How are you? Glad you called. I'm great. Thanks for taking my phone call. But thank you, sir. To this uh, exposing the Democrats on this issue of voter suppression. What do you mean when you say voter suppression? It's like they're calling the black people, calling us dumb and stupid that we can't get an ID. And other ethnic groups like black people, they're dumb. No, we're not. And Democrats know it. But they use us as bait pawns saying voter suppression. And a lot of Democrats Black Democrats, they are informed and they buy into that. So what Republicans needs to do is go out and you like Democrats do, they give them the same talking points. Republicans need to get out there and say Democrats are calling black people dumb and stupid because they don't have sense enough to get an ID to vote. That's what they mean about voter suppression. Well, that's what Kamala Harris, too, was suggesting about rural voters as well. Um, exactly. You know, there's. You know, but, but actually, I uh, we did a. It's interesting you called because I have the information on this right in front of me, and we researched it uh, uh, earlier today and last night, and before COVID, as a matter of fact, before COVID, two out of the, out of the last three presidential elections, African American turnout was higher than white voter turnout percentage wise. And that was without unsolicited mail-in ballots, without drop boxes, without extended voting deadlines, without any other relaxed COVID rules that Democrats now insist are absolutely necessary to be fair to minorities and, and those that live in rural areas. You go back to the Washington Post, April 29, 2013, they reported on the Associated Press and they were out with a study of the 2012 election, concluding that black voter turnout 
that that rate exceeded the white turnout rate for the first time. And it was almost certainly true that African-American turnout was higher than usual. Uh, But it was also true in 2008. And they found that African-American voters were 13% of the electorate, even though they make up only 12% of the population. That's what they said. Which uh, white voters represented 72% of the electorate and outperforming their 71.1% share in the population, but not to the same degree they have in past elections. I would say that their argument falls flat based on the numbers of the AP and based on the Washington Post. I'll fact check themselves for them. Right, um, right. It, yeah, and I agree with you. There's a, there's a certain degree of insult behind that, but they don't care. You know, look, if Democrats and this frustrates me because every election year, a Republicans, conservatives like me or, you know, we're we're called it's every two years, every four years. But now it's almost every day. Racist, sexist, misogynist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, transphobic now, dirty air, dirty water, kill grandma and grandpa, throw them over a cliff. It's the same crap they throw out. Uh, No, I, I believe we're all created by the same God. You know, you judge people by the content of their character. That's who I am. That's how I was raised, period, end of sentence. And I believe in natural rights, and God made all of us. And and this is, you know, but when you look in these blue states and these blue cities and, and this Democratic Party that has had a monopoly of minority voters for so long, how have the Democrats done for minorities in this country? How are, how are those school districts in minority neighborhoods? How's law and order and safety and security in minority neighborhoods in, in many of these blue cities and blue states run by Democrats for decades? The proof is in the pudding. Their policies failed. The one president that shattered every record low for unemployment for every demographic in this country was Donald Trump. Wasn't Barack Obama, certainly not Joe Biden. And in other words, conservatism works conservative policies work that's why I, I, you know, I wouldn't be a conservative abe if they if they didn't i want policies that are going to make us all successful and they're failing on every front education they're failing law and order they're failing obamacare failed social security medicare headed towards insolvency and now we're going to give them more power with the green new deal I, I, you tell me i mean how's that going to work out not that hard to figure out no, not at all. Not at all. But Republicans need to uh, ask the question, why does Democrat wants to make it easier to cheat? They should shut them down like that. Why are you trying to make it easier to cheat? Simple common that's, sense. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I'm common sense, Abe. And that's just common sense. Is that what, what they, they call, call it? your nickname is? Common sense, Abe? Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yes. <laughs> well, you live in Houston. We're going to have to hook you up with our buddy, AJ. Do you know AJ? Uh, yeah, I hear him all the time on the air. Uh, yeah, he yeah. calls into like Joe Pags' show, I think, every other day. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but we we, we, we have a mutual love of, of big-time AJ from Houston. What a great guy. Hey, 
Exactly. Yeah, I've, I, I've been a long life uh, Democrat going on my whole life because we was taught uh, Democrats for blacks and uh, Republicans for the, uh, white and rich people. But it wasn't until uh, 2007, I was actually pulling for Hillary Clinton. And that's when my eyes was open, when I saw what they did to her. When the Obama campaign played the race card on her, and I saw how the media didn't say anything about it and how they did her, that's when my eyes was open on politics and what happened. And that what what made me become a conservative when I saw how the media did that and how Democrats operated, how they lie and everything. You know, I'm not conservatism isn't complicated. It's we believe in liberty, freedom, capitalism and our Constitution, low taxes, less bureaucracy, choice in schools, free market solutions for health care. Um, we believe in free and fair trade. We believe in peace through strength. We believe in secure borders, constitutionalists on the bench, energy independence. That's it. And then stay the hell out of our life. Leave us alone. Let us live free. God, you know, we're endowed by our creator, not by government to be free. And we don't need a cradle to grave society because every time government runs something, they screw it up royally. Anyway, Abe, God bless you, my friend. Thanks. Call back again. We'd love to hear from you. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Uh, We told you the story about this journalist that the Iranians sought to kidnap. That journalist will tell us that story exclusively tonight on Hannity. Also, Governor Greg Abbott, what will he do when these uh, Democratic legislators get back to his home state? He'll tell us. Leo 2.0 Terrell, Dana Lash, Ron Johnson, Senator Johnson, Devin Nunes, Jason Chaffetz. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Please set your DVR. We'll see you then. We'll be back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us. You make this show possible.